Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Forever. Dog. Warning. The following podcast contains things that make good boys very uncomfortable. Danger, injuries, high-powered weapons, and most importantly, rude teens. It's Action Park with Class Action Park director Seth Borges on today's podcast, The Ride. Welcome to Podcast The Ride, a theme park podcast that will not be held legally responsible if listeners die from laughing. I'm Scott Gardner. Uh, I, uh, no, I take no responsibility. Mike Carlson does not either. Uh, yeah, I, and um, I also don't take responsibility for anything that I do in my life. I'm reckless now. That's just that's that's a thing of what happened from the Europe trip. I think I didn't I didn't mention it, but now I'm mentioning it anyway. Jason Sheridan's oh, here. Too. Oh. I'm here, and I guess we should uh, you know mention we like a cruise ship that is docked in like a country that is constantly changing governments. We are incorporated in the country from the terminal that no longer exists anymore, so we cannot be held liable. That's right. That's great. And while we can't remember the name of it, it is li- uh, legally listed on a legal document. It just says the country from the terminal. Um, and yeah, if there's any legal uh, beef with us, t- take it up with our uh, holding company there, Manhattan and Global Absolvings Inc. It is a completely legitimate company with a very fancy name. Uh, and, uh, you know, to, to take it up with them. We do, we do have insurance, but we will not give you uh, any of it. Um, this is all we, uh, uh, we today are talking about, uh, a, a notorious, the notorious action park, uh, which somehow we has uh, eluded us uh, for the years we've been doing this podcast and we're, we're finally there you know how it's eluded us it's because it was so dangerous and it's just we i think the three of us as you know everyone are good we're too good we would have been scared of this oh we would have even be like it would have just like not even we wouldn't have acknowledged its existence <laughs> because we would have never gone our my pair my mother i wasn't allowed to go to a normal water park I don't know why she would have like t- like duct taped me to a chair to keep me from going. Yeah, if if I, if, if I sensed that a group trip was forming, like oh, I think I think there's a you know all the 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 boys choir or something I was in is all going to Action Park. I would have just like, well, do I fake an illness? Uh, what is my do I quit the boy choir before this has to happen? What is my plan to get out of Action Park? 
nervous <laughs> crying into nervous vomiting. That was that always worked for me. Uh, <laughs> the Jason secret. Yeah. Well, it's a scary uh, topic for us, and so we need uh, somebody to lead us through it. Uh, and I think we have just the person, an action park expert. Uh, he is the co-director and producer of the documentary Class Action Park, now streaming on HBO Max. Seth Porges is with us. Hello, Seth. Hey, it's it's awesome to be here. Yeah. Uh, so happy to have you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. Are, are, uh, are, are you appalled by our uh, point of view, by us, by our good boyism uh, working its way into like that? How, how there's I think there's no chance that the three of us would have uh, set foot in. I don't want to speak for Jason, maybe, but uh, I think we would have been very scared of this place. If you can't handle haunt and you can't handle a launch coaster, the chances of handling um, an asbestos laden alpine sled that would leave half of your skin at the top of a ski resort in New Jersey, it's probably out of the question. <laughs> well, yeah, now, while we let's point out, we've made progress uh, in these yes. areas as I've just it, been through. I'm a, I am a launch queen and Mike loves haunts. And, uh, I love haunts now. I will say, though, this may be like if this was still around, this is maybe a decade later where I get there. Maybe maybe it's like I can feel the progression, but I still don't think it's right. right it would be right around the corner. Um, let's just in case anybody doesn't know this, just real quick, what we're talking mm. about. This was a very dangerous water park. That's probably the, best the most, way I can probably the most the dangerous, most dangerous, yeah, of all the most dangerous time in, in New Jersey. Uh, I mean the, yeah, the very basics of it, uh, uh, that, yeah, it was in Vernon, New Jersey, uh, many lawsuits, some deaths, unfortunately. Uh, uh and it, it's developed this notoriety and I, and I, I feel like especially, I don't think that I ever heard of this place uh, pre-2015. And somewhere around that point, there was a tipping point where suddenly I'm aware of it. It comes up every once in a while. I don't know if it was just like everyone was ready to be nostalgic for it, but suddenly you're seeing articles and, and, and videos. And I think things you were involved with, Seth, uh, that, uh, uh, you know, mentioned this place and all the crazy stories and the loop, the crazy looping slide that is sort of the emblematic image. Reading you the at place. the entrance of the park, like a demented Cinderella's castle. The first thing you see when you walk up to the park the icon of the park a giant enclosed tube looping water slide that just instantly scrambles your brain because it makes no sense and when you saw people come go down it they would come out facing a different direction and that doesn't make any sense because what happens how does that happen it's very strange <laughs> right. it's to be it seen and like understand yeah, it really it, feels like and I'm I'm just going to say I'm just I'm sure it's this is not an original thought, but it feels like some a five year old made a roller coaster tycoon park. The whole and park. It's like the, yes. the whole park like that. The and like park. they didn't put any thought into it. And like it's like guests are complaining that they're getting dumped out the side of a of a inner tube or yeah, uh, no thought, but a ton of imagination. So imagine like going there as a six or seven year old and you're used to parks where sort of like the laws of common sense and you know, physics like regulate and dictate what rides you can have there and you go to action park and all of your wildest fantasies like the things you would see in like itchy and scratchy land in the simpsons are like suddenly in, in <laughs> front of you and it's it just it, it messes with your head it like you feel like anything anything is possible when you walk up there and that's like in the air and so it's not just these crazy slides it's this, this general sense of possibility and chaos and violence kind of like conspire to just 
put people in this mindset where they do things that they would never in the normal world normally do. Well, and watching the footage, like the the period footage you have in the documentary, like as as someone who like reads and watches this stuff a lot, everything was just a little off. Like it's like that's not how water slide. Like that ski lift is awfully close to that alpine racing thing. Like there's just little aesthetic things of like, oh, usually like raft rides that four people ride in, there is a series of lifeguards going down and they use hand signals to say, okay, send another one. This one is clear. And that just does just didn't happen that next 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 and if you want to go down like six buddies at a time and get like clogged up in the tube like that would that would just happen that's like what life was like there and everything there you're right it's all these slides you look at it now and you kind of seen versions of this like typhoon lagoon or in normal water parks but what made action park different was it was it was earlier it was one of the first three or four water parks in in the country modern water parks country so you had like schlitterbahn you had wet and wild you had Disney's River Country and you had Action Park. First four water parks in the country. And so it's just kind of very early and sort of like the evolutionary tree. Like nobody knew what a water park was. So they're trying out all these ideas, many of them not yet perfected. And so they all kind of had issues. And now you look at it and it's like, that's, that's not right. That's just like not right. Yeah. I, re- I recall from learning about Schlitterbahn and, and Wet n Wild how, and I don't remember which is which, but I know like, there was there was a time where there were parks operating for a long time before they figured out, oh, here's a softer material to make the yes. slides out of. <laughs> Don't just tear people's knees apart. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, trouble that is specific to Action Park. But you're you're that's interesting context you're giving us that it was it was sort of a, a wild west of, a, of an area yeah. in general, the water park. It was a Wild West and all of those parks, like except for Disney's River Country, clearly, but like Schlitterbahn and Wet and Wild and Action Park were all run by these kind of really big, iconic personalities. And there's this great like Grantland article about this kind of weird frenemy relationship between the Schlitterbahn and the Wet and Wild guy. The yes. Action Park guy was like 10 times like crazier than, than those guys. And all these rides coming to Action Park, we talk about in the movie, but it was it was literally just like some random employee has an idea and they build it or the owner has an idea or they, so they build it or they go to like IAPA, like an industry convention. And instead of like the big display booths where like the real legit manufacturers are, they go to like the little tables in the back where some dude has a doodle and it's like a ball that rolls down a hill and they decide to build it, even though no prototypes had ever been built before. And so you get all these strange rides that that were just kind of, you know, thrown at a wall and what's going to work. It's very like old timey Coney Island, the way when you see, we have to do an episode in some way, like actually getting specific about, uh, you know, like that weird footage you see where it's uh, 20 people in full thick wardrobe, all like on like a a vibrating floor, like being slammed against walls. I'd like to know what that is and where it comes from and what the hell happened. But it feels like. For the 1970s, when there are more polished Disney parks, it feels extremely like there's never been a park of any kind before. Yeah, it's like they're starting again. It's like, you know, like this was yeah decades after Disneyland. Disney World was already there. And this was in many ways like a direct response to the rise of Orlando as a theme park destination. Like the owner was literally saying to himself like, OK, Orlando is all the way down there. We're right next to New York City. We're right next to Philadelphia. We're not that far from Boston. Like half the country is within like a day's drive of here. Why don't we build 
Disney World here. And so they had the ski resort. And of course, a ski resort in New, New Jersey has like a three month long season, like nothing. Right. And so he wants something to do within the summer. And so they dreamed of building this four seasons resort. It would be a ski resort in the winter and action park in the, in the summer. And in order to build it, they would, you know, it was mostly funded via like a penny stock scam. So they would call up like grandmas eating dinner at their table saying, we're going to build Orlando in New Jersey. And that's how action park was built. Yeah, I it's funny the scam stuff is very interesting to me. Like it's always interesting to us. It's like an yes. evergreen topic on this show. But uh at the start of this documentary, I thought, you know, uh Mulville, the the guy behind Action Park, he was going to join the pantheon of like, you know, John Binkowski, kind of mis- the Hard Rock Park guy, kind of misguided, but like uh, I, I was optimistic or like David Hare, like completely delusional. Uh, but Mulville <laughs> has a body count. The other guys don't have like <laughs> blood, as yeah. literal blood on their hands. Uh, th- Dubious is- claim to fame. Yeah. yeah, this is the second episode where the phrase near decapitation will be uttered, though. I mean, I think that's yes. worth. But that was Dogmatch USA before David Hare. For all the things you could yes. fault David Hare for, he didn't put up the wire that almost killed oh, that you guys guy. The Dogpatch episode, I was just like, like so tense. Like, when are they going to get to the decapitation? Like, when's the decapitation <laughs> coming? The answer was two <laughs> and a half hours in. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, you know it's coming. It's like, when's the tripwire and the and like it has to come it has to come and it, it get may to it. Well. They get into the fireworks factory <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> when's the fireworks factory coming wait so you knew about dog patch they, so is this uh, oh, yeah. uh, uh, your interest in weird shady dangerous parks extends <laughs> i guess beyond uh, just action park uh yeah i got i got a, a, a shady theme do you guys know about spree park by the way this nope. is oh uh, no okay it was this park in germany and it was like the only amusement park in east germany during the cold war and then after the cold war it was purchased by this guy who used it as a vessel to ship large amounts of cocaine inside ride vehicles so he'd be like transporting like carousel horses and they'd just be like loaded with cocaine uh it's like a totally wild story yeah <laughs> oh wow. my god that's wild that's like what, what robert evans was doing on the set of popeye with what mannequins full oh of cocaine. yeah is that right uh i believe it was man yeah yeah and and then like um you know hiding it in his his trunks and having to f- falsify a letter from henry kissinger from, to, uh, <laughs> that's a second gate part. one uh, yeah there's a, a second gate episode clear but there's a park i think it's in germany that's built in a decommissioned nuclear reactor like the simpsons style like smoke staff <laughs> is like the center of the park and you're like in rides in the middle of it wild stuff out is there it, man do you know anything is it cool <laughs> is it a good place <laughs> i bet I, I hope it's cool and not very very hot honestly it's probably much safer. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, i so do you do you have a, i'm gonna assume the answer is yes do you have like sort of a maybe a Mount Rushmore of these figures who have started these parks. Cause these people are fascinating. I think it's interesting because yeah. Walt's shadow looms large. And I think everyone in their own head thinks I'm going to be the Walt Disney of New Jersey, or I'm going to be the Walt. Like that's always fascinating to me how I think these people are reaching for that like ring. Yeah. Well, well, Gene Mulvihill, the guy who created action park, he was like trying like directly in many ways modeling. So what I like this, he was friends. He was friends of Trump. 
And uh, what I like to basically say is like when Trump decided he wanted to be like whatever politician, his friend Gene Mulvihill decided he wanted to be Walt Disney. So like the thought experiment is like really what would have happened if Trump had opened an amusement park. And I think that's like exactly how Action Park played out. But there's, you know, we talked about in the movie how amusement parks, theme parks in particular, are kind of these like embodiments of these eccentric auteurs often people have like this vision for the world like a petri dish maybe for how they want the world to work they want to create this little lab and they want to just like throw people into it and walt disney had this like very specific idea of this like fantastical very safe uh tame place you have disneyland and then gene mobile's vision was like anarchy and chaos and like lord of the flies and, and that's what action park was right yeah. and his background seems like it's stock trader insane pace just was, like no rules i mean you you basically detail all this in, in the movie yeah but it really he, he he got his vision it was realized yeah he was you know he was this kind of you know like jordan belfort era wall street kind of guy who was breaking all these rules and that's kind of like par for the course at that time in that place and he gets banned for life by the sec uh but prior to that he, he you know he had his hands in all sorts of businesses and he kind of buys up these ski resorts for cheap and basically decides he's going to turn vernon new jersey into this big time resort destination and he quickly realizes that this like small town uh, you know, if the SEC can't stop him, what's the town of Vernon going to do? You know, like this attitude of like, ask for forgiveness, not permission, break every rule in front of you. Like these small towns, even the state of New Jersey, which is so helpless, like the wheels of regulation, the wheels of government move so slow. So if he didn't have insurance one season, maybe he just like conveniently forgot to file paperwork. By the time the state got around to realizing it or saying anything, the season would already be over. And he'd be like, well, what are you going to do? We can't undo that season. And as you mentioned before, like for many years of operation, the park operated with a totally fake insurance company that the owner created based in the Cayman Islands with the amazing name of like London and World Assurance. I think I want to like print T-shirts that say that. Like That's London my World favorite detail, the insurance yeah. company in the Cayman Islands. Uh, and I, the, I name, love too, the name of it. Stupid word soup name. Just what the hell does it. that mean? <laughs> it reminds me of King Features Syndicate. No, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the company that owns all those comics strip characters something's yeah. fancy if you put a stuffy word like crown or london in it <laughs> yeah i think it was like designed to be evocative of lloyd's of london clearly so like some clerk in new jersey is going through papers like that sounds like an insurance company sort of right yeah for yeah. sure um you you mentioned trump the another character that briefly shows up in the documentary and i appreciate it you contextualizing new jersey at the time of like atlantic city had only gotten casino gambling uh legally uh uh you know in the early 80s or late 70s or so early early 70s early, early 70s, 70s yeah yeah and one of the first uh, casinos on the boardwalk was the Playboy Club. So then Hefner yeah. opens the Playboy Club in in North Jersey too, which um, it, it's kind of like North Jersey is always close to New York. It's always associated with being uh, close to New York. A few years ago, I think Chris Christie started giving out casino permits for casinos in North Jersey while casinos were struggling in South Jersey. So like <laughs> there is always shady business going on financially there and in the 80s and 90s you could go to seaside heights or you could go to wildwood beach and just bungee jump off a crane like that yes. just and the what was under you was maybe a small plot of grass or just the beach just the mile okay. long beach 
very brief story that is not in the movie that I don't think like anybody really knows. So the owner of the park, he he had one of the first bungee towers of the sort at Action Park. It was actually sponsored by Snapple. It was called like the Snapple Bungee Tower or something. But he had partners and was an investor in some other bungee towers along the Jersey Shore. And one, he, he was on like the outs with one of his business partners or investors. And so he planned an overnight Carmen San Diego style heist of this bungee tower. So he literally in the dead of night steals an entire bungee tower from the Jersey Shore and then drives off with it. And the person like doesn't even know until the next morning, the entire bungee tower is gone. Just stole the thing after that. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? No, he was, he was, this is who this guy was. So, um, another, okay. So in 1994, towards the end of action parks life, MTV beach house, Hamptons beach house, you know, like the grind around the pool, you know, all that, all that stuff. The MTV wanted to build like a really stupid, ill-advised water slide that would go from the roof of the beach house into the beach house swimming pool. And they had like four days to get the beach house ready from when they took possession of it to when like the show began. So they're thinking like, who can we get to build this really shady water slide without permits, without zoning, without permission, with action park. So they call up action park and action park. The whole team like drives from New Jersey to Long Island to the Hamptons and constructs this really shady water slide that went from the roof of the MTV beach house into the pool. And if you look online at like videos and footage from the 94 beach house, you can see this big action park sign they put next to the house. So like the best video is probably the one of Lisa Loeb performing. You just see this action park sign <laughs> behind her in all of the B shots. Um, but then the, the kicker to the story is, you know, they, the park, Gene, he had to supposedly like pay the lumber supplier in Long Island for the wood they were using to build it. And he just decided he wasn't going to. He basically was saying, like, they're in Long Island. We're in New Jersey. What are they going to do about it? And apparently nothing. That's there's a whole documentary in just yeah, in just how much he just flaunts yes. laws. Yes. Like, I just I am almost I'm just kind of fascinated how that works, because I think we've talked a, a little bit about the show about you know, we're following rules and everything. And the idea I'm assuming that you touch on about 5% of Nothing. just the court cases and the, the lawsuits that he just ignores. And then like 90% of them do kind of go away. Like, oh. it seems like it, yeah, nothing, nothing stuck. Everything went away. The park when it shut down, it was never because of like legal reasons. It was bankruptcy. It was, it was never like they suffered virtually no fines or citations their entire existence. Here's a great story. Okay. Almost none of this is in the movie just because it's a 90, you know, it's a tight 90. Sure. You got to tell a story. Okay. Yeah. Can't yeah. Be tell. yeah exactly. Exactly. So uh, next to the park, you know, they had a, they had a parking lot and connected to the parking lot was like a gate. And you can walk through that gate to this mom and pop restaurant. The mom and pop restaurant was closing and McDonald's wanted to take over the site and build a McDonald's. Gene didn't want McDonald's to open up because he thought it would eat into all his concession sales. So what he does <laughs> is he concocts a scheme. There's always a scheme. He sends like one of his kind of attack dog like lieutenants to a town council meeting and he has him say the following. He says, here's what's going to happen if you allow McDonald's to open. We're going to shut the gate that allows people to walk from our parking lot to that restaurant. In order to get there, oh, the first thing you got to know also is that a major highway ran through the middle of the park called uh, Route 94. He says, what people are going to have to do is they're going to have to walk on Route 94 on icy roads in ski boots 
they will slip, they will fall, they will die, and the blood will be on your hands if you allow McDonald's to open. And they did not allow McDonald's to open. <laughs> wow. This, I mean, that's crazy. And my first thought is like, not to get too political, you know, but like, uh, this is how Trump's running the government, yeah, of course. Like, it's just like, fuck you, don't, I don't care. And then, like, are you telling me that works. Action Park is, are you saying that Action Park is America? Is that what you're telling me? Uh, at, at least at the moment. But also, I, I will say, is for the first thought was Trump, but then I'm thinking, this isn't that dissimilar to what Disneyland did in Anaheim, where they were going to build a bridge from a par- new parking structure that was across from Harbor. And Disney wanted not... not uh, to have a little area so or an access point so people could go down in harbor and go to those businesses and anaheim said no they should be able to access those businesses and disney said fuck you we're not building it so it's not totally dissimilar i think we keep coming across all this odd legality and like shysters and tricks with these because theme parks are such massive undertakings like there's no way yeah. to get one made without at least a little sprinkling of shadiness and maybe you a giant that. bucket full of it yeah you need like a little bit of robert moses in you i think to like get any of these places built you just need to like steamroll over people well it's and messy man barnum and not like greatest yeah. showman pt barnum like maniac pt barnum <laughs> not not singing and dancing hugh jackman pt barnum no the other. <laughs> the, 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 like racist lunatic pt barnum <laughs> it's so different but waiting for the sequel yeah. with gene too it's like th- he there's a face to all of these stories but with yes. for instance like disney and anaheim there's not like one hulking figure that's like Hey, uh, we want to build a parking garage and you're going to pay for it. And then we're going to collect all the money and not give it to you. Like there's not one guy making a weird demand like that. It's a corporation, so it doesn't have a face necessarily. But they but they didn't get away with it. And maybe this is sort of similar to this is like how the DNC is like a, is facelessly shady and they don't get away with mu- as much as when it's just some asshole who like is right. pr- wears it is proud to wear it. Yeah, it's me. I don't know. Come at me. And then nobody does. Right. Uh, yeah. They're very Gene and Trump are very, yeah, very similar. And like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. We'll see if like none of this will stick to me. And it kind of didn't. Yeah, it's basically challenging them. Like, what? Do you, I, can you imagine like the Anaheim t- like toughs like going to like an Anaheim council meeting and being like, "Hey guys, here's what's gonna happen. Here's the deal. It's all thing. We're gonna pick up shop." Well, I, <laughs> Iger sends like the, his Beagle Boys yeah. to a town council meeting. Well, this is when they hire all those like um, the social clubs that like roam Main Street. To, oh like, yeah, yeah. Bust some heads. This is what this is their moment. This is what they've been waiting for. Time like, to yeah, activate Walt, them. Walt, yeah, they've all been like uh, lying. <laughs> dormant sleeper cells and now the hell's angels (laughs) of that are outsourced to police like of course uh, the famous horrible incident at altamont yeah the rolling stones it's the the ultima Um, of of disney they call like was it like the the waltz gang or whatever they're called like all these groups mm -hmm. that are just busting heads you know you don't you don't mess with those guys they just (laughs) call it the california adventure food and wine festival that is Yeah, it's it's wild, but it's uh, yeah, it's interesting. To, it just you could you feel it more when there's a a, a maniac doing it. One yes. maniac. Yeah. What a uh, what what a maniac. I mean, he certainly like holds the the piece together, and and um, like boy, hearing his 
hearing his voice is really you've, you've oh, got yeah. a couple little moments of his voice and it's it's oh, also very trumpian in that like oh he doesn't like look character he doesn't like seem sleazy from his appearance does it? no no extremely he looks uh kind of like a sleazy <laughs> what does he like sound like and then there's one i wait i, I wrote i don't i and I, I only wrote it down so I couldn't do an impression, but the phrase I wrote down is, uh, we, we got skin, you know, it's a beautiful asset. Does that sound familiar from your movie? Yeah. Or am I very hallucinating? We, we, we got skiing. We got all these nice, beautiful places. You know, we're valuable asset. That's what he said. Oh, it's skiing. I wrote it down like skin. And I was like, <laughs> what does that mean? I didn't uh, skin. That's what I There's wonder. Is he like harvesting the skin of these people? All right. Skiing. Uh, got it. In our movie. Yeah. You, you can hear it in his voice. And something about this place, I feel like just emanates it. That the... There's a defunct land uh, about Action Park, and they he Kevin ends it on a clip of like a local news, and it's just an anchor, the news anchor being so sleazy to the correspondent of Bates. I know, like, I know the clip. <laughs> it's just so gross, and it's like, did this guy it's get in the air. fired? Yeah, and it just seems to emanate from Action Park. Yeah, absolutely. We talk in the movie um, a little bit about some like the hanky panky that was going down at that park. Uh, one of my favorite. So there was. You guys ever heard the term? I never heard this. I don't know if this is like just an action park thing, but they call it pool scarfing, and that's like when you just like raid the bottom of pools for like jewelry and money and all that kind of stuff. Like that. <laughs> oh, that's like how they would make up. Yeah, these these employees are paid like three bucks an hour like whatever minimum wage was in the early 80s and so in order to augment their pay they would just like well, first of all they go pool scarfing so hunting for gold and money and all that stuff but more than that they were basically trained by their superiors on how to steal from cubbies when people were on rides so that was like part of the <laughs> job experience so theft was a huge problem but it was almost all employees stealing from people while they like put all their stuff in the cubbies while they're on rides like like a New Jersey there. Oliver Twist gang <laughs> stealing exactly. from cubbies. I can't wait to spend a day in the wave pool where, and I'll certainly want all my uh, gold jewelry in my pocket as I do. I wouldn't well, dream of... <laughs> now, hold on. If you're in a wave pool in New Jersey, those gold chains, no one is... The, 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 he mocked without them. Common than Scott thinks that there's a guy, there's a bunch of gold chains at the bottom of a New Jersey The, the ratio of gold to skin. They're yeah, the ratio them. of gold to skin. Yeah, high. the A-frame <laughs> undershirt and and the the gold chain, the communion, the gold chain you got as a communion gift stays on in the winter. <laughs> aspiring Mr. T's everywhere. They would, okay, so they had this thing, you know, like you go to Disney World and like the people take photos of you by the castle and they try to get you to buy a photo. So they would do that at Action Park where they take pictures of like you with basically these like girls dressed like mermaids. So they were all about just ripping off IP. So it was like right after Little Mermaid came out, they would hire all these people dressed in like mermaid outfits and you take your photo taken and they try to sell you the photo. But even if you didn't buy the photo, they would still develop the photo because that's, you know, it wasn't digital or anything back then. So all the photos that went unsold, the employees would take the ones with the most, um, just a visually large guest and they put them onto a wall that they labeled the wailing wall. So they just built this monument 
to, it was just such a, like, that's what this place was, man. It was just a lot of respect going around. Sleaziness. I I found an article saying how, or this this is just a quote from, this might be Sports Illustrated. When Gene discovered that the force of hitting the water at the bottom of Surf Hill could tear off bathing suits, he took immediate action by building a grandstand so spectators could watch this teenage burlesque show. No, <laughs> it was Gene's first stop every morning was Surf Hill, I was told. So he personally would oh. like do the rounds and wind up there. They built an observation deck. You can sort of see that in like the Headbangers ball clips we use in the movie, where it's just like a crowd of people overlooking it. But that ride kind of looks a little innocuous. It's like a big slip and slide on a mountain. You go down this like mat. The original design for that ride, the original concept was you're going to jump off of a cliff and that mat was going to catch you. And then you just kind of coast the way down that was abandoned because they couldn't find anywhere like appropriate to build it but the employees everything about this park like every ride the employees would like the teenage employees would personally plus up in some really strange and erratic way so this one they would lift up the mat and they would place other mats or trash cans or just any like large bulbous object they could find under the mat in order to build a jump. So the last lane far in the right, it was like eight or 10 lanes of people racing down this hill. They would just build up and build up and get more and more air until a guest eventually broke their neck as it happened. Like everything at Action Park, it was like the employees found a way to plus it up, which is weird and creative. The laws of physics still apply and that just makes the teenage employees furious. I know the only rules that anyone has to follow at action park. Yeah. (laughs) When you're saying all these stories, it's like, if somebody was like, well, Hey, tell me like, why did Rome fall? (laughs) And they would be like, Oh, well there was this water park and they sort of just pushed everything to everything went too far. And, and like, obviously like it couldn't sustain past that. Everyone just lost their minds. You know how, like, movies are given some weird title in other countries that's like sort of vaguely related but it's a little different um so i you know i was in like paris when train wreck came out and the poster called it crazy amy which was terrible and offensive oh. but, uh, uh, but they always have like some title like a little bit different the foreign titles i just imagine that like other countries if they release their movie they're gonna call it like america park or something you know like, like <laughs> park america how do we quickly translate uh, yeah. what's so crazy like what's the spirit that this is tapping into it's exactly America like Park. America. Oh my That's god! The best title probably the most accurate description. And they go, oh yeah, <laughs> we know exactly what that is. We don't even need to see it. We know. Are you telling me Action Park is a metaphor for America? Because again, I just don't see it. I just don't. I don't you know, see it. I don't want to. I want. I want the. I want the listeners to view it themselves and decide. I would never decide draw for yourself for them. But if any of our listeners have just started uh, college and are looking for an essay to write and need a thesis. <laughs> This might be a good one. <laughs> I, like, I, I was just going to say, like, I, 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 I get so, I got so nervous watching this because I was really putting myself and, and I said at the start of the show, like I was not allowed to go to my friend's water park birthday when I was 15, 14, 13. It would happen every year. And my mom, we would get we would like, oh, we're busy. I'd have to say, like, we're busy that day. And I'd be like, because my mom thought this was too dangerous for me to do, especially with a group of kids and the kid whose birthday was, they were a little crazy. They were a little reckless. One of the kids had a BB gun and I just, the whole, this whole thing just gave me anxiety. And there's so many stories about like, you know, Oh, fond memories of it. I, 
I can't see, I can't see it being possible for me. Uh, then it. quick quick role play. Um, uh, yeah. I'm okay. I'm you and you're your mom. Um, uh, hey, there's going to be there's a change of venue of that birthday party this year. This year uh, they they want to do it at Action Park. Well, what is that? Uh, oh, that's like this. I mean, it's a water park, but it's you know. There's like um, a slide that uh, loops all the way. Like there's like a full, it does, uh, okay, like goes not, upside down. Okay. You're not going to that. Tell Brian that it's our anniversary and we're all doing something that day. Uh, but I told him that a month ago and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go watch him show off his BB gun. Okay. Well tell him it's the anniversary of when we first started dating. That was our marriage anniversary. This is our dating anniversary. But I oh, used that man. when he wanted me to come over and he wanted to show me May West level sensuality on a black and white VHS. I right, tell him we're celebrating uh, uh, the bicentennial <laughs> <laughs> years later from that. Uh, tell him we're late to it. We're 15 years too late. <laughs> tell yeah, him you tell is, him you died tell him that you, <laughs> you plan to commit suicide very soon i think this uh, this is not not this is accurate to what would happen i think oftentimes then i would just be like will you call and tell his mom and she'd be like okay and she would <laughs> yeah of course she's going to if she listens to this she is going to dispute the story that we know well the the anniversary is absolutely correct that part is absolutely 100 percent correct and everything else is it's all hypothetical we're all yeah. we're yeah. imagining if you went to action park but yeah so what a um, place so to spend an ask, anniversary yeah what a place to spend an anniversary was <laughs> what was your danger tolerance as a child going on rides and water slides I loved the thrills. I did. I really love the thrills, mm -hmm. but it's so weird. I went to action park at like a super young age. So it's kind of hard when you're six or seven years old to tell the difference between the artificial danger, like the imagineered story danger of like tower of terror where, Oh my God, these ghosts are attacking you and your, your elevators crashing versus like the actual danger of a place like action park and that's why it's such a mind scramble and like messes with you so much is because you go there really young you're told these things are dangerous but like that thrill isn't you know it's an illusion and action right. park that it was like super real and i think when you're young you really can't tell the difference so you think like it's just like going on a roller coaster and it's within the confines of like a, a gated amusement park which is a place you kind of take for granted is going to be safe so all mm -hmm. these things at action park were effectively like extreme sports within the perceived safety of an amusement park and that's what made it so so strange i think but even then, you know, I went on a bunch of rides there, but there were ones I, I wouldn't touch, ones I couldn't touch because, you know, they like the speedboats. I think you had to be like 16 or have a good fake ID to ride. And I think we should talk about the speedboats for a second, too. Yeah, oh, yes. that's a I don't know. I don't know about those really. Uh, uh, yeah. What's well, the, what's, was Gene selling fake IDs as a side business? Oh, somebody had. To, OK, there were all the teenagers there had hustle. So like this park, it wasn't just employed by 16 years old which you're which is like kind of common for regional amusement parks and like fairs and whatnot it was managed by them except for the really really top people like the people who would manage like the entire section of the park would be 16 or 17 years old so they all had hustles they all had schemes there were a lot of like pot plants growing up on the mountain uh the people who would be in charge of kind of like reservations at the hotels would just like pretend like rooms were booked and then they'd live in those rooms and throw parties in them like everybody kind of had a hustle they would 
you know, scarf the bottom of the pool for gold jewelry and stuff, kick a little up top and then throw parties with the rest of it. It was a fun place. It's a fun place. Wow. I, I am interested to know whatever did everyone basically you talk to have like, well, I was also uh, stealing like big canisters of soda and I was selling them to a local restaurant for profit. Yeah. Well, there was some of the scams were like, um, okay, so they had daily wristbands and they'd be different colors depending on what day. So like Monday, it'd be orange, like Tuesday, green kind of thing. So if you collected and, and people just like tear off their wristbands and throw them in the parking lot. So you could really easily just collect all of these colored wristbands. So not even employees, just like local kids would just scour the parking lot for used wristbands and then sell them to their friends. It was also really easy to sneak into the back of the park because it's like kind of a wooded, it's not, it's not like there's no gate around, there's no berm, you know? It's not like right. Disneyland or something like that. There's no berm at Action Park. Uh, so one day, this dude escaped from a jail near Vernon. And he was hiding out in one of the condos that was like abutting the ski resort in Action Park. And this, I think, tells you so much about Action Park and this idea that like rules and laws just don't apply here. He thought he was, he was bored while he was hiding out as a fugitive from the law. So he decided to sneak into the back of Action Park, thinking that like the laws of God and man just like don't apply here or something like that. And he was eventually busted while waiting in line for the Colorado River ride. <laughs> wow. so even, did he not get to go on anything? He was just standing around on a couple rides. Yeah, I got <laughs> I got a couple rides. Might have put a few in. Yeah, yeah. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, yeah, the, in that- one of the things that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I was going to say no, go, no, no. Uh, one of the things I think that Action Park probably had going for it is like. You know, I think people think of New Jersey and they think the opening credits of The Sopranos, like the smokestacks of Newark. But in the spring and summer, they call it the Garden State for a reason. It's very lush, very green. And in a lot of the footage, that does add some... To me, it added like, okay, that does... The woods look kind of nice. That stream looks kind of nice. But like, I mean, there are water parks in the Northeast that don't have like I the one in my hometown was just two tube slides and a swimming pool and on one side was I-95 and was on the other side was the smaller local highway that merged onto I-95 so it was practically on a highway island and uh, you knew even as a kid I knew like I don't want to go there uh but I think if I saw Action Park from a distance, I would be like, oh, okay, yeah, this, this looks nice, kind of yeah, nice. Vernon is this incredibly bucolic, gorgeous, very lush area. It's, you know, it's 45 miles from New York City, but really, like, it was a cow town, just like farms and whatnot. Yeah. And then everything started to change in the 70s when Hugh Hefner built the Playboy Club. And he wanted to basically turn Vernon into the next Atlantic City. That never happened. Gambling never actually came up there. And the Playboy Club slowly kind of fell into various states of disrepair in many ways the playboy clay might be a, a metaphor for something i'm not sure what but mm, man, what could it something. Be? Yeah. i don't know i don't know uh, but then action park the same deal it was like we're gonna take this area that has this beautiful natural surroundings what is a day trip from new york city and just kind of exploit that 
So you have this like natural resources and then just like New Jersey personalities and politics kind of moving in on it is really what made Action Park what it was. There really is a facade of this is a nice, cool place to go. I mean, you're right, Jason, the the seeming natural beauty of it. And then that logo rules, that rainbow color. It's so simple, but pretty instantly iconic. So you're watching those ads and it's got jingles that are akin to any theme park jingle we like or the the we've got it all at Woodfield. It's very like it's it fits right along any of the there's nothing in the ads that tell you uh, this is a shady uh, land of it's, chaos. It's not the what, what was that like old SNL like super uh, like the bouncy ball the hell the ads like super um Super fun ball. Super, super yeah. fun ball. It's not like super fun ball with like a hundred disclaimers at the end. Or happy fun no, ball. It's like happy, happy fun, fun ball. ball. Yes. Happy fun ball. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not. Yeah. Sing the song. You know. There's but it's no. not like that where it's like come to Action Park and then like three minutes of fast talking disclaimers, which is probably what it should have been. <laughs> no, but and maybe another theme park uh, tour might have like some entity might have said you got to put a bunch of disclaimers in there, but the Gene's not going to do it, that. It would have made it more popular. I mean, the whole appeal of Action Mark and why I am fascinated with the topic is that the the danger was no secret. Like it was in the newspaper. It was like everybody, everybody knew when you go to the park in real time, you're hearing people talk about like, oh yeah, some kid got stuck there. Some kid died there. You're just like here, like, people are calling it to your face. Like, welcome to Action Park. Welcome to Traction Park. Like it's, it's in the air. And instead of scaring people away, that's what drew them in. And that's what's so strange and I think amazing about Action Park was what happens when not only is the danger draw people in, but then how do people act when they're in this environment where they know it's dangerous and they know there are no rules. And that's really like, it's not just any one thing. It's not just, this is a dangerous ride. It's this is a dangerous ride and people know it's dangerous and they know they can do things they shouldn't be allowed to do on it is what made Action Park what it was. To, to again, right. bring up a sketch analogy it also it reminds me of the mr show sketch thrill world where it's alternating between i wonder if this was action park inspired where you're alternating between news reports about all of the calamity and death occurring at thrill world on their new on the devastator uh and then and then switching back and forth between that and adds for the devastator and the line only grows uh as it goes like like it yeah it's not a deterrent it it uh there's almost like no chance that one of those writers like isn't from the tri-state area and, and went back. you know, it's, it's like, um, it's so weird how the, the kind of cultural on trails of action park, like, uh, Judd Apatow tweeted that the screaming that Steve Carell makes when he gets like waxed in 40 year old version was inspired by the screaming he would hear when people were having their wounds treated at the Alpine slide shed. Uh, just like this. <laughs> Whoa. Which, wow. It's wow. like wild and, and crazy. Yeah. Like, like you have to imagine, I, I love the thing that is amazing about actual is, is this thing that really shaped just like shaped this generation of kids from the Tristead area in, in no small way, like show them how the world works uh, or doesn't work, like traumatize them, like, you know, push them to their limits, maybe build their confidence, did all these formative better or worse things to millions and millions of kids. And many of them, like they don't really, it doesn't never comes up. And I think that's why, once action park kind of enters the cultural milieu, it kind of has these legs. Cause all of these people are like, Oh yeah, that I absolutely went there. And that, you know, I, here's a scar. Like I met, I met 
name I met I met Cory Booker, the senator from New Jersey. I met Cory Booker, and he tweets about Action Park every once in a while. And I mentioned it to him, and he just starts lifting up his pant leg and showing me his scars from like the Alpine <laughs> slide. Like oh. it's just like millions and millions of people like have these experiences, and it's just kind of like this hidden trauma in the tri-state area. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Well, and there's that it's, that ball, the the I forget the, the name man and ball of it. and ball. Yeah, that they the the metal ball that someone got inside and rolled down hill and rolled onto the highway. Fiberglass ball. <laughs> uh, fiberglass, excuse me. Um, yes. I watched that uh, that '80s romantic comedy a few weeks ago, "Take Me Home Tonight," and that is a yeah. major plot point in that movie—a fiberglass ball that rolls out of control. That is an act of bravery for someone to get into. And I would you have, have gotten in the yeah? Would you have gotten in the man in the ball in the ball, Jason? I I think even I have my limits. The man in the ball. Uh, <laughs> Come on, Jason, get in the ball. <laughs> get in the man in the ball in the ball. You, what are I you? don't want to. That's your cool just man. Hearing the highway that cuts through the park is what. I, even just hearing people talk about ninety four, like not ninety five, the major road you always hear about. Uh, I-95 <laughs> going through New Jersey and it's like, wait, what? Is, there's a 94? Like, that That seemed off to me. That made me uneasy. Just like, oh yeah. gosh. So, so, so about that, so Route 94 kind of cut the park in half. You had Waterworld on one side, that's all the water side. Then Motorworld on the other, that's like the speed boats and the racing cars and whatnot. And in order to get between them, they had this real rickety, shady, monorail type thing. They'd be like, say on a bench and it would take you over the highway and uh gather told us a story that didn't end up in the movie when a friend of his or maybe it was him i can't recall was on that thing and it broke down it, it broke down over the road and caught on fire and either his friend or somebody had to jump down like into the middle of the busy highway because their monorail car was on fire as they're trying to go between <laughs> water world and motor world so that's action park and that wasn't in the movie. That was not in the movie. That was on the cutting room floor. I just, just to give you guys yes, a sense. Let's give, I just want to give anybody a sense that they don't know anything about this or anything about the movie. That story is not in the movie. That is not even a significant enough event the, to make it also into the movie. The the Action Park Gladiator Challenge. You want to talk about oh, IP ripoffs? Oh, the, yeah, that was a ripoff. Uh, that was not licensed. The American Gladiator's ripoff where guests could just joust large a men. jacked up dude named turbo yeah they just hired like this was kind of that peak steroid bodybuilder like 
you know, WWF blowing up era. And Action Park was a huge hangout for like steroid freaks and bodybuilders. So many of the stories, especially the ones involving fights from the security guards, involved just like jacked bodybuilders. And so they hired all these like local jacked up steroidal dudes, gave them names like Turbo and Nitro. And then you as, as a patron at the park could just joust them and fight them um and they, they got legal action uh was pushed against them from the actual american gladiators for just like the straight straight ip ripoff for that my my this is i think is my favorite thing that's there and i i found um this uh, this is a, from a newspaper uh, at the time promoting it. Uh, the idea is a spinoff of television's American Gladiators, <laughs> though there is no connection with the popular show. <laughs> well, I don't know if it is a no, spinoff, but there's another blank off word <laughs> you might use. It might be a more. Are a you allowed off. to just do that? Are, you, are, you guys just, are we allowed to like spin things well, out? Italy, uh, Italy, a movie land. Uh, I guess you could say the park we just did at the, our European trip spun a lot of different things off. <laughs> They're full of great <laughs> spin offs. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then a couple of paragraphs later, the gladiators attraction is run by Michael and Vince Mancuso, former bodybuilders. We <laughs> <laughs> end up being a former bodybuilder. Like that's not a like. Like you can build your body anytime. There's no license that's revoked. What happened? Why aren't they bodybuilders anymore? <laughs> Restraining orders yeah. or uh, <laughs> any so number of ran bannings? Of, uh, ran you can do this, just not in New Jersey. Go. You got to go over the state line if you want to lift a weight. It feels uh, like you could just like go in the, in the morning and be like, hey, I got a couple strong guys. Uh, can we have guests fight them tonight? And he'd be like, yeah, Gene would be like, fine. Okay. Which part of the park? Sometimes they would almost, you get the feeling like they're almost asking for, for like these big fights and melees. Like fights would happen nonstop. Like the security guards we spoke to were just like, Every day, just fights everywhere you look. People would stand up in the middle of the Colorado River ride after the rafts bump into each other and just like have at it. But one of the biggest fights occurred. So a brief period, like in the early days of paintball, Action Park got some paintball guns and thought this would be a good attraction. So they decided to orchestrate. Now, they had a lot of guests coming in from the city, meaning like New York. And so they decided to orchestrate is your Queens versus Brooklyn or Queens versus Bronx paintball match. So anybody coming in from Queens is on one team. Anybody coming in from like Bronx or Brooklyn is on number te another team. And it was just like minutes before the pistol whipping started and the fights. And oh. like, it just became this like all out like fight, like blood everywhere kind of thing. And was this like published, like, was this in the paper the next day or is this just sort of a story people told? It was, yeah, this kind of stuff happened. I mean, it got reported. It was widely reported. You know, we spoke to in the movie, yeah. uh, a former Vernon newspaper editor uh, who was, you know, she, she dared report honestly about the park and kind of mm. suffered the consequences, which you kind of go into in the, in the movie. Right. Uh, here's another good story about Gene. I think it, it sort of builds off of one in the movie. We very briefly have a security guard tell us that he had heard that Gene kept a Mac 10 machine gun in his desk. The full story is that he actually broke into Gene's office in order to look for this gun with the idea that he would like shoot some cans and play around with it and have a good time with this machine gun. The idea being that if Gene saw the gun had been taken or was missing, he wouldn't report it because it's an illegal gun. What can he do about it? Well, when he got to the office, the gun was not there. 
And I only found out a couple weeks ago, speaking to another former employee, why the gun was not there. That former, the other employee basically told me that he had the exact same idea just before this dude had actually broken into Gene's office, found the gun, shot up a bunch of cans, like had a good time, stole a bunch of Gene's ammo. And that he's pretty sure one of the guards who broke in with him stole the gun. And that's why it wasn't there. So... <laughs> So plenty there of people go. were going after Gene's gun <laughs> and his door was <laughs> left unlocked. People... Yeah. Everybody knew. And Gene also had a, had a uh, panic button in his desk and nobody knew what it went to. It didn't go to the local police. Like nobody knew where this panic button oh, went to local <laughs> so. toughs, his beagle boy, Gene's beagle boys, former bodybuilders <laughs> to the Knights of Columbus uh, club. <laughs> you know I... what I mean? I would pay money to know what that panic button went to. I would. That's like a mystery that I'm going to dedicate a couple of years to solving. I think. <laughs> I'm sure pretty- people, uh, psychologists or something, have done this, and I'm I'm fascinated by in general human beings' behavior because I, yes. there has to be some cognitive dissonance when you hear like, oh, there was a giant fight or there was a man firing a machine gun off at Action Park last night, and you then you go, oh, I, I would like to go. I'd like to go. Is it because I think in your head you go like, oh, nothing's going to happen to me. Like, it's going to be fine. And I'm fascinated by you can probably apply this to COVID. You can apply this to a range of different topics. But I am fascinated that this only all these stories made this more popular. Yes, that's that's crazy to me because I was I've never been again. I've never been like that. But I think now, especially you would hear all these stories and there would be this could never exist now. The uproar, the articles. Like it would be shut down in two seconds. And I do think more people would be like, oh my God, that sounds crazy. There's gladiator, unlicensed gladiator fights <laughs> happening. I, it's, I, not I, can't go there. <laughs> it's not the real yeah, turbo. It's not the real turbo. But I think it's interesting you say that because I think like, so you yourself would be like, I, this was a death trap. I'm not going anywhere near that. So the place became self-selective so that like no good boys were going there. It was only bad boys. <laughs> it was a park just right. like full to the brim of bad boys who were going there. And then like what happens when you have a park that's nothing but bad boys? That's actually right. Well, now it would be right. bad boys and vlogger like influence, like, you know, people going to get stuff on camera. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Can I get an incident? Yes. And the two million views that will follow if I catch one. Oh, yeah. oh they're just going to go today. They go there without a mask just for like the, 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 the clicks on their TikTok or something like, you know, yeah. owning the libs or something. I don't know. The park is still open and it's actually kind of a cool place now. Um, Mountain Creek, you know, a lot of the some mm-hmm. of the old rides are still there, but like they're, you know, modified a little like the Colorado River ride. You have to wear like a lacrosse style face mask because so many people are smashing their faces against this cave. Oh. That that ride, by the way, super important in the history of fake rock, I will say. Oh, the Colorado River Rive. So it was um, so they were really early to gunite, which is one of the fake rock materials. Basically, you get like a hose and you spray this stuff, and when it dries it onto like a wireframe and it becomes rock. And they were, I think, very likely the very first water park to use gunite in like any capacity. And so Gene himself was like super obsessed with this and would just spray shit building these massive like rides. And so he was really intimately involved with the construction of most of these rides. Uh, we talked about in the movie, but oftentimes these rides ideas would come in and be somewhat tame. And then he'd get his hands on them and he'd like plus them up in his own weird way and make them just kind of truly insane. So the Colorado River ride was initially going to be something like a lazy river, like a gentle day with your family on a raft kind of ride. And he wanted it during construction to be plussed up into a 
class four rapid simulation like the real Colorado River. And he didn't want any lifeguards on the ride because he said the real Colorado River doesn't have lifeguards, which I love. Um, and so that was, <laughs> so these rides, that and Roaring Springs, it was just this massive area. So that whole area was called, uh, it was called, I think the whole area is called Roaring Springs, but they, it was built in like 1984 and it was just like this gigantic gunite installation that kind of trying to create this like old timey mountain, rocky swimming hole feel. Super important in the history of fake rock. Because maybe up until that point, water slides were just industrial looking tubes and the idea like what makes a Typhoon Lagoon special or any other well-themed water park is, is some environment. And maybe it was, yeah. it was, I guess with it emulating the real Colorado river, it is the, the maybe the first themed water slide potentially well, or not slide, but whatever that, it is, water attraction. Yeah. Other than um, River Country, which opened, I think, 72, the first water parks, I mean, like, Wet and Wild was, and, and most water parks are, like, a couple of towers in the middle of a parking lot. You know, they're, they're just like, we're going to build some slides, and you're not really immersed in this environment in any way. What made Action Park kind of interesting from an environmental perspective was it was built on the side of a mountain and a wooded mountain at that. So it felt very natural and very like serene, but it would also use the slope of the mountain for the, for the slides. So instead of modeling, like maybe we, here's what the exact angle of this ride should be for maximum effect and like safety, it would literally be just whatever the slope of the mountain is. That's what we're going to use. And that, that's how like most of the park was built. Wow. And, and it used just the real bodies of water, that yes. were there in some cases, which was a true shock to the system for people to just splash Literally. down and hit real, like chillingly cold water. Chillingly cold water. And it was shaded uh, natural water too. So those areas and that area, that's where like the Tarzan swing was and Cannonball Falls. That was open until like two years ago. So that's stuff you could still do until wow. pretty recently. Yeah. With, was, the same res- with no restrictions, essentially. Yeah, well, I mean, back then they were just like throwing kids off. Well, okay, Tarzan Swing is not a ride that's like innately dangerous unless you, okay, a lot of people like slip and lose a hold of the handle and like hit their head against the platform they're jumping off of. That would happen all the time. But like in theory, you're, you're like on a rope and you're swinging into a pool of water. If you do it safely, you're fine. The real thing that made Tarzan Swing so notorious was just like the atmosphere. Because like a hundred people from New Jersey are looking at you and just taunting you and making fun of you and screaming at you. And so even if you weren't like a big enough kid to go on like the speed boats or the looping water slide, you could still probably go into Tarzan swing and still get like a taste of what this park was all about. And I think that's why Tarzan swing is so infamous and kind of lives on so much in the imagination because everybody could go into Tarzan swing, not just like the bigger kids. Yeah. I mean, they had stuff like that at, river country um but it was a simulation of the old swimming hole you know there are plenty of lakes and ponds that do have a rope swing you know in the northeast that do have that kind of rope swing that you can go into a body of water a varying coldness and river country was like you know uh non-chlorinated famously like fed from yes uh the waterways around disney and they had rope swings and everything but it's Florida, it's Orlando. That water is like bath water. You know, yes. it's just constantly cooking. 
you know? So I, my, my, um, this is like in my blood. My, my mom actually grew up on an old timey swimming hole water park. Uh, so that's like, uh, so she, that was like her upbringing in the Ozarks in Missouri. She grew up living and working on one of those kind of like swimming hole with like a Tarzan swing water slide water park. And, you know, that's all there was until the late seventies when like Schlitterbahn and action park opened and tried to kind of commoditize these really like naturally occurring organic like places. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, River Country was open, I think it was 76, like oh, two years before Action Park. And obviously a much bigger budget, much more imagineered. Um, but you see the way the slides look, and they're pretty small at that point. And you see, like, this is what fiberglass, like, slides. Sh- this is what it looks like. <laughs> and it does not look like that at Action Park. No, yeah, no. no, and they would, and they would test things. I mean, every like they would test things in a way that you knew it was safe by the time because it was Disney. You know, Disney had mm-hmm. decades of experience making rides and like testing rides. Action Park's testing process was let's send some dummies down and hope they're not decapitated. And if they're not decapitated, we'll wave hundred dollar bills in the air and then send employees down, and then we'll work out <laughs> the kinks that way. That was how they would test rides. And somebody corrected me though: only the older kids were given hundred dollars. There's more. They've got more. Uh, body they're taller so you give them more money what what's not clear about that yes <laughs> can you guys imagine go yeah that loop i'm sorry what were you saying like no i was gonna say if you were saying about the loop i was just thinking about being this tall and going on that loop and it would just i would come out twisted into a cartoon pretzel like i would be like all wrapped up like a present like compacted it hurt yeah yeah I'm trying to remember in the movie, I was just going to say, was there stuff? Was there anything Gene was like, whoa, 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 too far? No, he was probably the most... (laughs) Um, the most like to the right of the curve of anybody at the park, you know, so everybody under him was like trying to temper his instincts to be like, Hey, maybe we shouldn't do this. And he was the guy who was like, Oh, we're just going to do it. It's going to be great. It's going to be so much fun. And, and that was his thing. And it's such an interesting, that's why his character is so interesting because he, he was this, you know, fairly well off, like wall street outcast who just like really immersed himself into like playing roller coaster tycoon and like coming up with these novel ideas. It's something, it's something strange about that. So is it literally true that the, the loop, because the it's, it's said somewhere in the documentary that the cannonball loop looks like somebody just did it as a doodle on a napkin. And then that was yes. built. And that was what happened, right? Like, like Gene yes. drew what if a slide loops, and then yes. it and then it happened. Which because it just that's what's so striking. I remember when I first saw it, you know, as some thumbnail to click on. It seemed fake. It looks like an onion thing. Like it's like it looks photoshoppy. The actual yeah. photo of the slide in reality. It looks like itchy and scratchy land. It looks like something like Beyond the Simpsons or like Life is Hell <laughs> back in the day. It was Gene himself who drew basically a circle and a cocktail napkin. And the only thing that comes to mind, it's like in the Hutzucker proxy. It's like a circle napkin. It's like, you know, for kids. <laughs> what else? What could go wrong? <laughs> That's probably the yeah. most upsetting thing in the documentary is the phrase teeth pad in the loop. Second, yeah. the only other competition might be pond filled with gasoline and snakes. Yeah, and dead fish too. And um, dead fish. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. But the they had to put a pad in the loop to cushion people 
But then people kept coming out with cuts and abrasions, and then they looked at the pad, and it was, it was covered with loose teeth. Yes, and there is like a Lovecraftian monster. So you go through it, and the teeth would just like eat into you, which is nightmare fuel. Just terrifying. Yeah. It's the worst place in the world. The top of that loop. Yeah. It is the literal worst spot you can be, I think. <laughs> Scientists have studied it for years trying to understand this little spot. It right didn't there. exist until 1978. <laughs> And being an employee there, like the stuff you would have to do. So the Alpine slide, which it's widely thought to be like a concrete or cement track, but it's actually mostly made of asbestos, uh, was just like a loose <laughs> track built into the side of a mountain. And you take this cart and you, you know, you go to the top on a ski lift. And as we talk about in the movie, it was a pretty regular practice for people to knock their carts off their ski lift and attempt to hit people below them as like a sick game of target practice, because why not? But you make it to the top. And you'd be greeted with like warning signs and photos showing you wounds and like gory, bloody bodies, like saying like, keep your hands inside the track. Like this is serious. Well, in the movie, we show like a quick shot of a newspaper article about this girl who got her finger cut off because she, I guess, didn't keep her hands inside the, inside the track. Uh, the girl who lost her finger wrote me after the movie came out, uh, thrilled because she'd been, she, she's like, Nobody believes me that I lost this on a ride. I can't find any documentation. Um, and she sent me a video of her fingerless hand. Huh. Uh, just like, like she told me she got a $9,000 payout for that. Um, but uh, she, was, she was like super excited to have her missing finger make a cameo in the movie. Very strange. The Alpine wow. slide. Uh, to, we can put that to Twitter I, afterwards, by the way, if you guys want to. The video? Of the, the finger video? <laughs> yeah, she said I could share it if you guys want the <laughs> finger. The, the, the if the audience <laughs> demands it. Yeah, if the audience demands We're going to blur it, I think. Cool. We're going to blur it and put a bar on it. We're too scared. We're too scared. <laughs> I, I want to ma- mention Action Point, the Johnny Knoxville movie inspired by Action Park. So they kind of replicated the alpine slide in that movie and uh, first off johnny knoxville said making that movie was the most injured he ever got and the alpine the story goes that like on the alpine slide he flew off it landed on his face went to the hospital they checked him out gave him the okay to go home he went home blew his nose and his left eye popped out of his head so even the, simula- even the recreation of the Alpine slide was was like dropping people. Did the worst damage ever done to Johnny Knoxville? Yeah, yeah, a man who gets damaged every the point other of Johnny Knoxville. Oh my god, yeah, he got messed up making that movie, like really messed yeah. up. Jeez, and and I yeah, I saw some article where he detailed some of that and said like, and it wasn't worth it because the movie didn't do good. <laughs> it didn't do fucked <laughs> up. Uh, um, I, I think that one I didn't get hurt at all. <laughs> one thing that's odd to me uh, in general about the the places where people got injured and in fact killed uh you know action park did not invent the alpine slide like there's an alpine slide in big bear that i've done a couple times and i'm uh i'm a pussy and i did it and uh, and so if that tells you like and i had fun i wasn't even you could tell how if you just throttled it the whole time and were a little you know played a little fast and loose with it it could be dangerous uh and i was probably on the break a lot but like it it in and of itself isn't this crazy idea it's just like the way 
they did it in the negligent yeah. way, which so, similar so, to, uh, I was just gonna say this, the same thing about wave pools. There's plenty of wave pools in the yes. world, but only, there's only one that kept like <laughs> drowning people. Yeah. So compared to this, you, you, um, probably at some point in your life have had an automobile that automobile in itself is not dangerous, but if you remove the brakes, got drunk and tried to smash into the person ahead of you, it would be a very dangerous. <laughs> sure. Vehicle. And that's kind of what the action park outplaying side. That's was. a very good way to break it down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, and I know you also explain how it's, you had to like know all the, curves you had to like know it as if you'd done a hundred runs um before you could do I just one. imagine that scene in cool runnings where he's like in the bathtub memorizing and studying like all the twists and curves he's got to do it literally is the the there are three tracks and one of them was the expert track they called it and that was like that was extreme man that was the one where people were just constantly just being flown off of that like you have to be crazy to go on that thing and that was one where if you went at full speed you were going to fly off. You just were going to fly off. And this gets really dicey because uh, part of the duties of the employees was when it rained. I think it was super dangerous when it rained. So it was your job if you're an employee. They didn't want to wait toward like the dry naturally. That's like downtime, you know? So if you're an employee, it'd be your job to dry it off by taking an Alpine slide car down the wet Alpine slide with towels, dragging behind it, sopping oh, up rain. No. <laughs> and you weren't supposed to break while you were doing this because for some reason or another, the act of breaking was like super dangerous on the wet surface. So you had to go down it without using a break with towels behind you. And I spoke to somebody who was doing this when the person behind them, their thing got messed up or they you know what it was, was they couldn't resist the urge to break because every fiber of your body is telling you to break when you do that. So they braked and the person behind them ran over them, just like over them on the Alpine slide. Cause they're sending like four kids at a time down with towels, sopping up a wet Alpine slide. So Jeez. Seth, when you go on like the Matterhorn at Disneyland, do you just like yawn? Are you just like, because <laughs> you went to this place as a child, like it reset your whole danger level. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, you know, yeah, yeah, right. Like Matterhorn, come on, guys. That Yeti's not even real, you know. Jeez, so. right. Like there would have been a real, like, like there would have been a real animal at Action Park that was stuck inside of the ride that would claw you, dude. That would be. Wait, the <laughs> one of you guys is from Jersey. Jason, you're from Jersey. Yeah. Well, I, I, nope. yeah, from outside of Philadelphia, but spent a lot of time in Jersey. Yeah. Do you, Do you know about that like drive through safari attraction built around this time in Jersey? that they like had lions and stuff, but they abandoned it. And then like the lions and like tigers took over this place. Do you know about this thing? Uh, <laughs> it's hard to say if I know about it because I think there's more than one. I mean, six flags. <laughs> I've, I did the great adventure. My family would do the, you drive your minivan through the safari and don't put the windows down and also take the antenna off because the monkeys might take it if you don't. Yeah. And that was like a Jersey thing, drive through safaris. Yeah. That was like a big Jersey thing. And and in recent yeah. years, they had a big like, you know, six flag. They had an official driver off-road vehicle that would take you through this park. In times of COVID, they reopened it for like and you know the park's not open yet but you can drive through the safari again so i don't know what safety measure that they've taken but um you know it it might be it it might be on the rise again as drive-through yeah. entertainment uh catches on 
Yeah, in the early days of Action Park, um, when they were still figuring out what it was going to be, the Alpine Slide was the first ride. They had before it was like any water slides or belt. They had like a roller skating rink, and I think they actually had a petting zoo, and they had like lions and stuff. Um, so they were they were definitely like they weren't going to put a robot Yeti, and they were gonna, like everything was going to be real there. Everything was going to be real. <laughs> Gene was looking for a real Yeti. He went out <laughs> on an expedition. <laughs> He, he was going to yeah, find the Jersey Devil. The Jersey Devil would, was going to be the <laughs> the main draw. Gene would have gone around Disneyland and been like, gone on Mr. Toad and been like, remove this track. Let him drive the real car through the ride. What the fuck is this? Like, and then there's every ride. I assume he would have real pitchforks. People could reach up and grab them. Yeah. Ram them into the other vehicles. Actually going to hell. Yeah. Let's summon up some demons in here for real. Let's get a, like a crooked priest. I got a, I got a guy. I got a guy. Got a Ouija board over here, guys. Let's do this. Yeah. Let's, let's hunt the mansion himself. Yeah. Turn it up to 400 degrees. Get it to oven, uh, oven temp. Action Park is the real life version of the Jurassic Park line about like if the Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, the pirates don't eat the tourists. Like if the Alpine slide breaks down, you will you will get destroyed. There's like no chance Michael Crichton didn't go to Action Park, right? Like Westworld Mm. and Jurassic Park, like like half of the Michael Crichton canon is theme parks that go raw. Like he went to Action Park, right? Huh. That's. Pro- I mean, yeah. Like he was. Yeah. He was probably born in what the forties or fifties. He would have been a little older, maybe. He, this was all I born like from. Though- I don't. I, I, this timeline might not be right because Westworld was maybe up, but I like to imagine that it was his entire body of work was born from uh, doing the Tarzan swing and a bunch of Jersey meatheads yelling "You fucking pussy!" and he splashed hard and everybody booed him and made fun of him and he's like, "I'll show you." I'll become one of the great authors of the century. 38 year old man doing the Tarzan swing, <laughs> getting yelled at. The first scene in his biopic is him wiping out a Tarzan swing and he's just trying to get his comeuppance. Um, the thing nobody talks about about Action Park, this is going to be kind of gross, is. Uh, so, okay, it became like super popular super quickly. They started running TV ads and then they got up to 15,000 people on a busy day, like a million people a year. And it was this regional park and they didn't have enough bathrooms. So there was like a multi-year period in which they just didn't have the infrastructure to deal with all of the waste. And so people were just like shitting everywhere. So I had former employees tell me they would like clean out the grottos and the caves and everywhere you'd look, there'd just be like shits, like everywhere. Ugh. And that was like a big job for all the teenagers. They're like, like hosing down the Alpine slide. Really disgusting. Eventually, they added more bathrooms, though. That's good. Say, Eventually. <laughs> the food it's like in Roller Coaster footage. Tycoon when you don't have enough bathrooms, and like weird things start to happen. It's just like that. Right. Yeah. He shits in the coaster. <laughs> but like, it doesn't, the, all the footage you have of a guy manning a grill or manning, it looks disgusting. Like, I love eating garbage, <laughs> yes. but the food cooking footage is so unpleasant. And it's crazy oh. that, like, uh, uh, you know, the, the, I always, how do you pronounce his name again? The head of Mulvihill. 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 Um, that he, like, like uh, Silvio or Polly Walnuts was obsessed with community festival. Like that was another yes. odd layer of him is that like he loved throwing the German festival, Polish festival, Irish festival, 
and putting on the later hosen putting on the later yes. hosen like that it was Obs- such a weird detail about this guy yeah actually it was kind of historically significant some of the things he did in that regard they opened up one of the first microbreweries in the country and uh they'll they'll claim they kind of kick-started the microbrewery whatever but uh he went to germany and he had an entire brewery dismantled and shipped to new jersey including the brewmaster they would claim that everything but the water came from germany and according to the book uh put out just a couple months ago by the owner's son the brewmaster they brought in had previously been hitler's personal brewmaster (laughs) (laughs) that too (laughs) if this park couldn't be any more cursed they, it's just wild. Which if they they should have just leaned into like it's a crazy extreme place and just yeah Hitler's brewmaster and you think that's a that's a clever name and they they'll say no it isn't it's descriptive <laughs> it's accurate it is true the, like a, yeah how old was Hitler's brewmaster he was like an old dude when he came in everybody's like he was like yeah. a pretty old guy by that point yeah. so he's got to make so some like like that those beers can't like. They can't like sting and, and bubble too much because it'll like nip at that stash. It's he probably oh, had to go a little mellower. Stash prepare. I've I've used this joke I think on the show before, but it's like Emperor. I assume his Hitler's brewmaster was like Emperor Palpatine uh, on Exegol in the last Star <laughs> with Wars like the, movie with the crane, kind of like crane, moving around, just keeping yeah. him alive because he needs to brew more beer and making beer with <laughs> lightning that's, bolts. That scene, <laughs> yes. That scene, that had to have been somebody who like just rode Forbidden Journey and was like, that's what that's what moves the emperor, like a cuckoo arm or whatever it's called. Like, a, you know, that's it. Oh, right. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. So J.J. Abrams was interested in the cuckoo arm technology and he was like, we're going to put a cuckoo yeah. arm attached <laughs> that's to emperor a cuckoo Palpatine. Arm. Totally a cuckoo arm, isn't it? Well, I think we're uh, yeah. so like the corner of the DVD box of Prometheus. So like a Giger drawing. Like yeah. just out of the corner of the eye and it's like oh that's yeah that's good that's cool <laughs> here base it on my vague memory of this part base it on the the thing the dvd box <laughs> what what just, rides would you have guys would you guys have gone on like actually gone uh, on any of them that's what i was thinking about the whole time um i the tarzan swing i might do now as a kid i would have been freaked out because i was freaked out of that high dive as a kid I could barely go off the regular diving board. Yeah. I could not dive at all uh, as a kid. Now I might do it. Um, Alpine slide, the easy, whatever the safest version, I might have tried. But that's still, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, that one's dangerous. um, I like the idea of the Colorado River. And maybe today I would do whatever version of it there is, but back then it, uh, it seems kind of deceptively. I really like that aspect that you can choose your own adventure. That there's different paths. I think like that as a water slide or water attraction asset is cool, and that would make me want. But boy, I also feel like I might just like I might just slam my head on those innovative fake rocks. Yeah, yes. yeah. And you don't really get to I, choose I like that- physics chooses for you typically. <laughs> The Tarzan one, I think, I now you know, look as a a, a needy ass performer. I think I would enjoy the being on the stage of the Tarzan swing. Hot dog. I would again. enjoy the audience. <laughs> I'm not saying I would do something impressive, but I would I would maybe enjoy like yelling at people 
And maybe I wouldn't even go off. Maybe I'd just go up there and taunt everybody and then get them to all boo me. Because I also like wrestling so much, I would feel like I would, that's a good thing. You would have been a heel. You would have been the heel yeah. turn. Yeah. The Tarzan swing. You would have had your persona. Like, oh, it's that guy again. Yes. The guy who just stands there and holds up the line. Right. And making fun of people out there. And then I go, I'm like ready to go. I pretend I'm going to do it. And then I turn around and then everyone boos me and I relish. Yeah. I well, and then the when you go to uh, the gladiator experience, everybody's excited that turbo gets to whoop you. Cause it's like, Oh, they got oh, that guy. Yeah. That wimp yeah. from earlier. I get my, <laughs> yeah, I remember him. <laughs> he held up the line. I don't think I would. Uh, you know, what seems maybe safe ish. Correct. You, you might know more than me, Seth, but uh, for the person playing more than the uh, employee, the, the battle tanks, sort of seem I, like fun. I would love to do that but that but it was is there a way that I'm that. forgetting that it would hurt me no um well unless the okay sometimes the grates that like would close that would keep the balls from hitting you in the face wouldn't close and people would get pelted in the face oh. we did a drive-in screening of the movie in Brooklyn uh like a couple of weeks ago right before it opened before it was released and we had a dude bring us uh, a bunch of vintage action park ride vehicles, including a battle tank. So I got to like get inside of one. And that was like, I could feel the ghost, man. That was, that was it for me. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Getting inside that tank. Pretty cool. I was like, I'm home. Would you, uh, we talk a lot about owning pieces of the park. Would you want to own one of the battle tanks and display it proudly? Oh, there's like a weird kind of underground collector scene. You know, it's not it's not like the uh, you know the the Disneyland collector scene, like at the Van Eden Gallery or anything. But there's people who collect old action park ride vehicles because something strange happened that when the park shut down. <laughs> I'm going to get my timeline and my story mixed up here. So like, don't scream at me. But um, this one dude like bought up all of the motor world ride vehicles. So the speedboats, the Lola cars, which were the racing cars, the tanks. And they sat in this like storage container in Vernon for like 20 years or so until I want to say 2015. He just sold them all at once. So just a couple of years ago, all these collectors started getting their hands on all of these rides. So I've been in touch with like a half dozen people who have battle tanks, so speedboats, so Lola cars. Wow. And you know, so we had a couple come to the screening. It was amazing. Just wild stuff. It, do these fetch a lot of money on an aftermarket? I assume they fetch a lot of money, but is it how, how crazy does it get? Do you know? I think it's like I think it's closer to what the value of that would be as like a forty year old speedboat than like as a nostalgia item. You know, I don't think I think it's like a couple thousand bucks. Oh. Um, but I think you can get them to work. Is what's cool. You know, like a Disney. Um, you're buying like a Space Mountain car. You can't actually ride that. If you're buying like an Action Park battle tank and you get it fixed up, you can actually ride that. I think that's what makes it <laughs> now. So I'm much a, cooler. Now I'm afraid I'm going to see one of those coming down my street, <laughs> um, <laughs> firing at people who voted for. The, uh, whoever they didn't vote for <laughs> um, it's, with like on it's fire probably, tennis balls it's just Leno in our area yeah yeah <laughs> he's got a air, an airplane hangar full of old action park ride vehicles I'm sure you know oh my yeah. god I Whatever the, the, new, the East Coast equivalent of Jay Leno is just collects this stuff <laughs> it's weird. yeah um, we, wow. we speaking of vehicles super speed boats I have the Wikipedia in front of me, the super speedboats were set up in a small pond known by park staff to be heavily infested with snakes. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Cool. That was true. Good. Uh, good nobody thing. died on that ride, at least. So no one died. <laughs> but that's the a big moment in the documentary where the woman, the woman who was a lifeguard, talks about how one speedboat did not slow down, went on top of the other speedboat, and that's where the reference. She she was very concerned that the person underneath was going to be decapitated, and it, yeah, and imagine it just got a little cut, a yes. little well. Bleeding. The prop propeller, the motor was cutting into their neck and she was yep. worried the hair, like whatever mullet this guy had, because, you know, the era was going to get pulled up into this thing and it's like, get like scalped or something. Um, but that that ride was was nuts. And that position we talk about briefly in the movie, but working, being a lifeguard on that ride was the worst job. That was like you're being punished. Nobody likes you. You're not connected. You're like not part of the cool kid click. You're the lifeguard on the speedboats because if you had to pull somebody out, you're diving into a pond just like full of snakes and oil, just like snakes and oil. Snakes and oil. Do we know what was? Do we know what has like changed like in the govern local government now there that would prevent? snakes and oil being in a pond <laughs> that people would have to go in i honestly feel like there's no law on the books against that so you know i feel like i don't think there's a law about that so you could probably get away with that by the way um, so interesting snakes and oil is what evil ringo star wishes <laughs> snakes and oil everyone they got oh, a man from the what? snake comma oil salesman i don't know there's something <laughs> oh yeah not snake oil. oil it's no it's not you misheard me. It's not snake oil in the water. It's snake and oil. <laughs> snake comma oil sales. The oil is not Look, from the guys, snake. Guys, you filled this. <laughs> yeah, we filled the pond up with the wrong stuff, guys. Sorry. You know. That was the big like revelation for me in the, the documentary. Because I, I, I think I first heard about it on the best show, hearing Tom Sharpling talk about Traction Park and the looping water slide and uh, and all the stories about that. But I, it didn't dawn on me that like, oh, the town not only like it wasn't that they ignored it, like they they full on like tolerated it and it brought a bunch of money into the town. Yes. Yes. Imagine like this park's been open, not just the park, but the ski resort prior to that had been open for you know 15, whatever years, more than that, and just dominates the local economy. You know, it's the biggest employer in town, all the foot traffic, kind of a million people a year, just like shopping at your stores, like paying your tolls, whatever it's going to be. What do you do if that shuts down? Like, what do you do? And it's like, it's like the, you know, the factory leaving town is what it'd be like. So that resulted in, I think, a very high level of risk tolerance we'll say from the town for what the park had to offer it's, it's so funny that it wasn't just like well we like having a park here just take the snakes and oil out of the water <laughs> like just <laughs> make a few changes why just, not you think uh, the very yeah. i don't think it's a kind of park where without okay so now it's open under a different name and they got rid of most of the rides but at its peak it was the they claimed it was the largest water park in the world and more than 75 rides and attractions that's like a lot of stuff and the vast majority of them were i think what ralph nader would have called like unsafe at any speed like there's no <laughs> fixing them there's no way to like we'll just pay attention and this will be safe like there's something like innately flawed with the design or the concept of it that was going to 
get people hurt. You couldn't just be like, we're going to pay a little bit more attention now. It was messy. Right. <clears throat> like half more than half the rides were like unfixable. It would be like, well, we can't plus up the ride where we just hand you a bag of rocks and you sink to yeah. the bottom of a 30 foot pool. <laughs> we're plusing up this ride by not killing you. Like it, it was a really, it was a wild place after the park was um, shut down in 96 and then purchased in 98 by Intrawest, which owns like Whistler mountain. They mostly bought it for the ski resort. They kept the Alpine slide open for one year and they forced you to wear a helmet and sign a waiver. And uh, I think that <laughs> that only lasted one year in that form. I think they realized like either, yeah, this is too much or that defeats the whole spirit of the Alpine slide. Maybe. I don't know. It's also so crazy that, okay. So the, the first death occurs in 1980, 1981, um, the first crazy. of six all told, and then it's not closed till 96 and that has nothing to do with it. They just ran out of money nothing God. yeah and if you ask like yeah and, and and i think the death count which is you know single digits i don't really think does justice to how incredibly dangerous the park was i think it's the injuries and like there should have been many many more deaths there just should have been on any given day the alpine slide alone would injure hundreds of people a day <laughs> one ride one day triple digit injuries every single day day in and day out and i think that to me is a lot more astonishing than um than the number of deaths i think it's crazy in gen with the the horrible things in our world with covid 19 and with um and mass shootings and stuff that there people find comfort in oh well there was only this many deaths don't worry the rest were injuries or they didn't die you're like well that's still horrible like people are scarred like scarred yes. physically mentally from uh, like you kind of like gloss I, over injuries in general i think yeah, we don't want to minimize that. And, you know, I think that was, that was like sort of the purpose of our movie was, you know, Action Park has become this like urban legend and to some degree a joke because it's so surreal and absurd that it exists. That like the only response your body can make after reading about Action Park is to laugh because it kind of short circuits your brain a little, like the mere existence of it. And one of the big purposes, the goals of our movie was to kind of go beyond that a little and figure out like, what was the actual cost here? What was the toll? What stories are being kind of like swept under the rug in, in service of this myth in service of this legend. And as you, you know, mm -hmm. saw in the movie, we, we spoke to the family of a kid who was killed there who kind of walked us through the beat by beat of like what happened to them after their son died, like what went wrong and then how the park responded to it. That's kind of horrifying. Like it's very scary. Yeah. Yeah. I, not, that's, to, not to put yeah. a damper on the funnies. Well, that's, no, that's what, no, the, what's no, weird no. is what you have that's to do. And like, it, like, so was that yeah. tough in the documentary to, like make that turn and have that balance. I mean, it became the whole purpose of the movie was this really sudden turn that we wanted to do. And it, it kind of think a lot of people by surprise. And it's something I think people, you don't really see that much in movies, I'll say, but it was, it was kind of whiplashy by design uh, as, you know, as sort of a response to the legend and myth that Action Park has, but also because like, not to like over explain my own movie, but I mean, say you are at Action Park and you're having like the best time of your life. And Action Park was a place capable of giving you immense thrills, immense joy, immense happiness, immense memories, immense all these good things. The, the distance between that experience and, and getting seriously injured or even dying is like one second. Like there is no foreshadowing. 
there's no, there's no telegraphing it. It just like happens suddenly. And that was sort of the idea there was like, this is the most fun you've had until the minute it's not is what action park was. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There was no, cause I, yeah, if you were there, the people that were there were probably yeah, not like us and not like, like nervous the whole time. They were like having fun and then something goes horribly, horribly wrong. Or incredibly desensitized to it. You know, unless you're actually seeing somebody get killed, you're you're very likely going to see people get injured while you're at the park. It just happens constantly. Like when you take the Alpine slide uh, ski lift up, the chances are really good you'd see somebody wipe out as you're going up. Just like see somebody wipe out. That would happen. And yeah. yeah. That's what I was saying earlier. I'm fascinated by human behavior like that. And I think you can apply it to like COVID and masks and you can apply it to... Are you telling me that Action Park is a metaphor for COVID? Is that what you're telling me? (laughs) I first... Look, I don't... Again, I I don't make conclusions. The listeners of our podcast do that. I don't tell them what to Uh, think. Are you telling me that... Someone has to tell me what a metaphor is. Uh, (laughs) Just keep hearing this word. This literary device. It's very fancy. It's like a simile. It's very similar to a simile. Um, Uh, Are you telling me that a place... (laughs) A place where where the forces of fun and uh freedom in air quotes are up against common sense and safety uh is a metaphor for anything we're all experiencing today is that what you're telling me i might be walking down the road but i wouldn't tell <laughs> oh you anything gosh. i'm walking down that road for sure uh, but it is interesting because i think we all in general in our lives have to do a lot of this ignoring stuff you, Everything you can't have normal. all the stuff in your head you but like it, it, this is just general like whether it's you know the chance of you i don't know getting in a car accident or something like this you just have to put yeah. all this stuff out of your mind but to see constant <laughs> accidents and you're like huh okay i'm gonna go on that ride now <laughs> choose to is go to a hot spot essentially of accidents and injury yeah, potential yeah, yeah. That's like a that's like a supercharged version of what I'm saying, where you just have to sort of put out the fact that like something bad is going to happen to all of us at some time, but and we just got to go on with yeah. life. That's what's so interesting about Action Park is for people who aren't from the area, this seems like this crazy, absurd. How could this possibly have existed thing? But the people who grew up there, it was so normal. It was mm-hmm. just so 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 normal, and and that is what's so weird to me about it. Is I and I think. The whole state of New Jersey, I think, like, is super into this movie because it gives them this, like, validation. Like, see how tough we are? This is what we grew up with. <laughs> but it wasn't just that. I mean, New Jersey was a you know, weird New Jersey. It was a weird place. And even if you weren't from New Jersey, like, just growing up in the 80s, people were doing stupid stuff and, like, getting hurt and running around. And today, everything about that seems so foreign and so absurd because we have, like, cell phones now and kids aren't like nobody's outside period now, but, and just how normal this all was. And it wasn't just like the injuries and, and whatnot at action park, working at action park, you're in this small cow town suddenly becomes this major tourist destination, a million people a year are coming in. And just the things that happen when that many people come in and what you're exposed to. So there's employees, it's going to get dark. I'm sorry guys. But so there's like employees who I spoke to, like they're 15, 16 years old. They work in the front gate. There was uh, an oil tanker, like, like, uh, upturned like had an accident like right outside the gates of the park and the cab got trapped underneath the tanker and they couldn't use the jaws of life to get the guy out because it would have sparked and caused an explosion so these like teenage employers are watching this guy who just like knows he's about to die 
and like how like what that does to you and now they laugh about it and they joke about it because there's like really no other response the human body is just like capable of doing when when faced with that while still going on with your life while still you know waking up in the morning and like going through your life right so, our brains do gymnastics a yes. lot of times either to just mask like bad, like crazy trauma like that or just you know if it's just like you're normally at a park where people are flying off the slide you go huh that guy got hurt really bad yeah. never uh, here i go and, and <laughs> like i think it's, it's like really our, yeah, yeah. Sorry, i think it's ahead. important because when we like joke about action park gather put this really well in the movie but it's nobody's joking about it who went there because they think this was good they're joking about it because that's the only response the human brain is like capable of doing when something short circuits it like that like what is like laughter from like an evolutionary perspective it's i just miss like narrowly escaping a saber to tiger you laugh about it. that's like what yeah. it is and i think that bit of like and it's such a weird strange type of laughter that is sort of um not really as as common as like you know designed comedy and things that are designed to make you laugh are that kind of tap into that same instinct are but it's there and it's present and it's real and i think it's like it's so weird and that's what makes it actually like such an unshakable topic to me is that it kind of elicits that sort of laughter response well it seems like a lot of the people in the documentary are are tacitly acknowledging the the old adage about like tragedy plus time is comedy yes but then there are plenty of people in the documentary who it's just well no it's just tragedy plus time is just that it's just more tragedy i just keep thinking about the tragedy you know tragedy plus time plus like a little bit of distance like if it wasn't you or somebody super close to you i think it's what it was yes yeah Yeah. um it's a weird place well the um you know the mulva hills have a comment on all this the 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 son who wrote a book and and kind of was attempted to be front and center when they tried to do the park again and he's kind of kept the legend alive i found i think this is also from the sports illustrated article um he says as for the people who died i'm sure dad has gone and looked for each and every one of them to say he's sorry all right yeah sure okay that's that settles that, he was he certainly seemed like an apologetic <laughs> man yeah. uh, in his day-to-day he declined to participate and he's yeah. like what if he's, he's in heaven trying to sue these people more <laughs> I'm suing you oh under heaven goodness, laws. Yeah. The the you oh oh so this wasn't a movie oh man the stories that kind of just filled my inbox after the movie came out so we talk in a movie about how if you manage to sue manage to win like Gene just wouldn't pay unless the U.S. Marshals literally collected the money uh, a lawyer reached out to me who was like a client who had that happen to him and how they had to get the U.S. Marshals to show up but they had this big problem because the U.S. Marshals collected they literally went from like ticket booth to ticket booth collecting cash and put into a duffel bag but a duffel bag was the U.S. Marshal duffel bag and they weren't allowed to hand over U.S. Marshal property so this lawyer had to like go window shopping until he found another duffel bag to stuff all this cash into and then uh take gets to the bank and like try to deposit like a half million dollars whatever in cash wild story wow do you have enough you've you've given us a lot of stuff that's not in the movie but now that you're getting all these stories do you have enough for like a follow-up as far as just a movie full of stories I mean, yeah, there's a movie full of stories, but what's the story, you know? So, like, yeah, right. It's at least supplemental material on a DVD or Blu-ray release. Oh, man, if only we had, like, DVDs with supplemental material, I would have had so much fun with this. It was a lot. 
It just seems like ever like this is going to sound corny, but like everyone who went had a story. Everybody who went had a story, or like ten, and like yeah, it was right. And it's so weird. Like you look at like the Wikipedia page and like the stories that kind of become the action park lore and the action park canon. And just like, that's just like such a tip of the iceberg. And most of those come from a couple like weird New Jersey articles. That's like patient zero, like ground zero for most of the action park lore was like weird New Jersey's coverage. If you look at the citations on the wiki page, it's like 90% weird New Jersey stuff. It's like all it is. Um, and that's just mm-hmm. talking to a couple employees for, for those articles. You talk to any employee, they have just as many stories. And now after the movie came out, I'm like, I was invited to these uh, secret Facebook groups that are all former action park employees. And there's like a thousand wow. people in them. And it's just like gold, man. It's gold. It's, it's wild That's, stuff. Yeah. I, I, you know, I have, I was goofing a little bit on the Valencia teens who run six flags, magic mountain, but they look like, saints and angels i think compared <laughs> to fairy yeah. level the precision operating <laughs> i'm mean, gonna thank those I, valencia teens next time i see them yeah and i don't want to bash the teens who work there i mean they were they were all put in the tough they were spot yeah and yeah they were just living their lives they were coming of age they were doing their thing i don't think anybody can like blame the 15 year old kid for all the stuff that's going on around them it just becomes normal um, they right. partied, man. Those kids partied, by the way. Like, like they would regularly just like show up to work three days in a row with the same shirt on, either sleeping at the park after a party, sleeping <laughs> in some random condo because like all the condos that surrounded the park, different people had like access to them. So they'd use them as like crash pads or just, you know, partying all night and then like go to work the next day at like age 16. Sleeping at the top of the cannonball loop. <laughs> Spending, yeah. then it just hot boxing like the, the entire loop. <laughs> hot boxing the loop. Just ghosts in the bottom of it and just fill it up with smoke. And they already had to worry about the normal problems Jersey teens have to worry about uh, cruising down Highway 9, uh, working on their cars, learning that they blew up the chicken man in Philly last night. You know, tan. <laughs> that's Nebraska, not Jersey, I think. Um, but uh, no. no. Uh, Wait, um, no, but no, that was way too much. Um, but also the tan and the hair. I don't know. It was it was a strange place, and it's really yes. amazing speaking to the place people who live there who who live this, who like grew up working there, and how fond they all are of this place. And you kind of, some degree, I think it's like a little bit of Stockholm syndrome, but to some degree, it's I think we all kind of take whatever we went through and we internalize it and we make hay. You know, this is this was our childhood. It's a weird place. Yeah. Did did do we know did Springsteen or even Southside Johnny go to Action Park? Okay, I am sure that like like everybody did. Like from this area, it was what you did. It was what you did. Like uh like Fallon mentioned on his show the other day. Like I know that um like I know that Kimmel went there. Everybody who grew up like Springsteen had to have gone there, right? Like there's he's no a way he did older. it. He's he's another little older, so maybe not. But he was, I mean, he was, he was still like very, he's probably very popular by the time this opened. At at least one member of the East Street band went there, I would bet. Oh. At least one member of the East Street band. Who do we think it was? Was it Stevie? Was it, was it Little? I don't think it was Little Steven. I don't think, was it Weinberg? It doesn't seem like Max Weinberg's seen either. He, Max is probably the most likely, yeah. Little Steven probably broadcasted Little Steven's Garage from the reopened, renamed, cleaned up version. All right, we're gonna do some. I'm gonna do some research and figure this out. 
He's got a, a built-in difficulty though, which is you, you don't want to get a bandana caught in one of these slides. I was thinking about that. Like once your bandana, it's why you won't wear a mask on rides out because like it gets wet. That that cramps your mm-hmm. style. Like how do how do you go he down a looping water slide in a bandana? And, and little Steven is just full of scarves as well, so he has the bandana and the scarves. They're fused to him that. now, so he can't exactly yeah. take them off. Maybe that's yes. where they come from. Is the scars? It's possible. Very possible. Yeah. Um, I yeah. So he's got to stay out of the size, and he's got to stay out of, out of that. Uh, if if he gets yanked into a turbine, then he's like, um, then he stays down there with the snakes and oil. Yeah. You guys throw me a ride name. I'll give you a story that nobody's heard. We missed what? What's oh, wow. the um, the one that's spelled weird? The uh, Aqua Scoot. I think that's one that hasn't been name checked yet. Okay, there's nothing too crazy about that. It did. It, it was kind of a messy ride. That was okay. Actually, I'll tell you something about that. Doc Scoot was like warehouse rollers on an angle, and you take this cart, you try to skip across a pond like a stone. That was actually created by the same guy who made the man in the ball in the ball. Uh, the same, the same dude made that one. That ride actually made it the prime time, though. A lot of people got um, got like their toes like caught in it and stuff. Nothing. That's like the most tame ride. Come on, give me another one. Only your toe. Oh man. Uh, wait. What have we not name checked? Uh, uh, and we've we've talked about a lot of them. What go kart? I have kamikaze in front of me. That's tame, though. Uh, oh, kamikaze people. People would fly, people would fly off the kamikaze all the time because that was a ride that was built like into the natural slope of the mountain, and the rails on the side of it were like three inches. So people would just hit these like lips and they'd fly off. And the ride we talked about in the movie that was like a prototype one based off of zero gravity planes, where you go over like parabolic hills and get some airtime, was sort of like the amped up version of the kamikaze. I think once they realized people were getting air and flying off the kamikaze, they're like, well, let's just like milk that for what it's worth. Let's like make that a ride where the goal is to get airtime. Uh, Surf Hill. Yeah, Surf Hill's the one that they uh, a kid broke his neck after they started building up the jump and just like going in the the observation stands, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the whip Whiplash Falls. I don't even know what that one is. I'm just, I'm just making them up now. I'm just trying. (laughs) (laughs) They had a lot of rides that like, don't get much attention. Like if you look at old park maps, you're like, what was that? Like they had one called the human maze. Like what's the human maze? You know, nobody talks about the human maze at action park. Well, that's just what I used to call having a nine to five, the human maze. You're just getting lost. (laughs) (laughs) This is my life, man. The human maze. (laughs) We're all just trying to navigate the human maze and trying to have some fun while we do it. It. And uh, you know, I I think I I, I enjoyed myself talking about uh, about this old place, and I and I thank you so much for being here, Seth Porges. You survived podcast the ride, um, not as harrowing as a day at Action Park, not in the least, uh, unless that microphone you have is near some uh, water, near some snake oil that could electrocute <laughs> you. Um, yes. uh, that, but you a little too dark as somebody actually did die from an electrocution at Action Park. Well. Yes, I. <laughs> Well, there's a look. We've been hovering around darkness. I'm the world's. I'm like the world's worst like improv guy who like like yes and somebody died. <laughs> like just air out of the room. I guess you could say when it comes to Vernon, there's certainly darkness on the edge of town. <laughs> yes. It's like hey everybody, how's everybody? Who anybody get hurt today? <laughs> just, 
Jesus Christ. I'm that guy. So never invite me to your improv truth, guys. <laughs> well, improv um, is no longer an art form, so that's not happening anymore. So no worries. It's not exists for everyone to continue to live. So. Yeah. Someone should make a documentary about improv. That'd be fun. Right? Oh, that'd be great. Oh, <laughs> that'd be the, probably one of the great documentaries. Uh, um, anyway, your documentary, I'll do your plugging for you a little bit. Your documentary is on uh, HBO Max and, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, but but uh, is there anything else uh, you, you would like to plug or anything else related to, to the film? Uh, no, guys, it's on HBO Max. Uh, you know, social for me is just like at Seth Porges with a P. That's simple. Wonderful. Uh, um, mm. And as for us, we are at Podcast the Ride on the socials. We have merch available on T Public, and for three. Uh, and if you want three bonus episodes every month, subscribe to Podcast the Ride, the Second Gate at Patreon.com/slash Podcast the Ride. Um, I mean, as far as parting words, I can't think of anything better than uh, snakes and oil everyone i'm evil ringo snakes comma separate <laughs> and oil that's new i got everything for us <laughs> evil ringo if anyone has art of evil ringo feel free i will be <laughs> signing autographs <laughs> Sparks uh, on everything snakes comma oil everything <laughs> everything uh, opposite uh, peace sign he doesn't do peace sign he does like this <laughs> he turns them upside down invert it uh, inverted he, peace sign he wears rings on yeah. his uh, toes and <laughs> a big, a big don't, which, yeah. don't do that on the aqua scoot don't wear toes on the aqua scoot uh is that the record being here everyone else thanks for listening uh bye-bye snakes and oil bye forever dog this has been a forever dog production executive produced dog. by mike carlson jason sheridan scott gardner brett boehm joe cilio and alex ramsey for more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. <laughs>